that way. We'll see what happens later on in the season. Though. Well, I think it's because the expectations aren't as high this year, and so anything that the, as this team like continues to grow, Red Berenson, uh can, can actually see his team develop and get better. So I think that's a a good thing. I I, I greatly enjoy happy Red Berenson. but well, I mean we'll see we'll see this weekend if the Wolverines can keep up their uh, their their two and zero streak to start the season. They've got Boston College at uh, seven thirty game of the week here on WCBN. And then on Sunday at 3 p.m., they will be playing Merrimack. So two games against uh, Eastern opponents this weekend. But uh, that's going to pretty much wrap things up here from the studio for Dave Bickle, Jared Carter, Tony Bolton, Mike Rothman, Steve Schuster, Stephanie, and, yeah, you know, everyone else. Uh, I'm Steve Lake saying good night and go blue. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of the University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocked over Cambolini, winds up and he scores! Jeff Cambolini lets a laser go from the near side circle, and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Cambolini. Bing Crosby, wrap your troubles and dreams, take four. Castles may tumble, that's made after all. Life's really funny that way. Sang the wrong melody, we'll play it back. See what it sounds like, hey, hey. They cut out eight bars, the dirty bastards. I didn't know which eight bars he was going to cut. Why don't somebody tell me these things around here? Holy Christ, I'm going off my nuts. Uh, The last bastion of freeform. WCBN, FM, and Abba. Sounds like a bunch of left-wing hippies to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez, that mic is on. The mic's on. Oh, my God. Turn off the microphone. Left-wing hippies indeed. Well, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, uh, and I'm not a left-wing hippie. And my partner, Jim Dwyer, is uh, off this week. Uh, He's got school obligations, and uh, he is... Maybe a hippie, and he's definitely left-wing, but we'll uh, let him speak for himself next week. I am left-wing, but I am not a hippie. <laughs> uh, on with the show. Anyway, uh, I'll just make a brief comment about baseball. Uh, it's interesting, to my mind, uh, there are greater sports, but there is no better game than baseball. And yesterday's playoff game uh, between Houston and Atlanta proved it. Two outs, bottom of the ninth. A, probably a career 240 hitter who used to play for the Tigers, by the way. Uh, he was the catcher uh, for Detroit for several years. Uh, in fact, I think he uh, was a catcher while Garner was the manager here. Hits a home run in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. Down by one run. And baseball, of course, is a game of 27 outs. And Atlanta could only get 26. And even the uh, game later in the evening... Between the Yankees and the 
Angels proved uh, why baseball is such a great game. So tune into the uh, game five tonight between the Angels and the Yankees. Hopefully, we'll see George Steinbrenner weeping in his coffee uh, as his 220 million dollar payroll this year, I think, is going to fall a tad short to the fastballs of Bartolo Colon. In any event, um, obviously, uh, the tragic events uh, this weekend in uh, in the Kashmir region of uh, India, Pakistan, uh, demonstrate once again the folly of war. Um, this is being called the biggest earthquake in that region in 100 years, and well, the death toll is, is obviously unknown, but it will probably exceed uh, the number of civilians that America has killed in Iraq uh, when it's all said and done. And it is just yet another reminder of the wasteful worldwide spending that uh, countries are engaged in in warfare. It's interesting that, of course, it occurred in the Kashmir region, which is a territory disputed by India and Pakistan. Uh, indeed, they fought, I believe, uh, Three wars over the past uh, 50 plus years, over uh, partially over this uh, dispute, and uh, maybe it just goes to show you that this uh, area uh, was not worth owning, uh, as it's an earthquake zone. And needless to say, it may also be another area where uh, Al Qaeda and Bin Laden are hanging out. Though uh, I would suspect that they're more. Uh, on the western side of uh, the Northwest Territories uh, near the Afghan-Pakistan border. But it's just yet another reminder of the tragedy of natural events that can prove to be so expensive in terms of human life, and the uh, rebuilding involved in this area is just beyond comprehension. Um given what I've seen from BBC, CNN, and those sorts of reports. Just a brief comment about uh, worldwide weapons sales. Uh, just uh, at the end of uh, August, yet another uh, study shows that America uh, leads the world, unfortunately, in uh, selling armaments abroad. Tom Shanker reports that the United the uh, total... Global arms sales reached $42.1 billion and was far above the 2003 figure of $28.5 billion. The United States once dominated the global weapon sales, signing deals worth $12.4 billion in 2004, or 33.5% of all contracts worldwide. But that was actually down from the $15.1 billion in 2003. The share of American arms contracts specifically with developing nations was $6.9 billion in 2004, or 31.6% of all such deals, up slightly uh, from $6.5 billion in 2003. Needless to say, of course, Israel is the largest recipient of these arms sales, and Pakistan uh, comes in, I th believe, third. Um, Interestingly, Russia is second uh, with $6.1 in agreements, or 16% of all such contracts. And Britain is third uh, with uh, $3.2 Israel ranked fourth with deals worth $1.2 And France followed fifth at $1 billion. 
this once again uh, leads credence to the nonsense uh, of President Bush's speech given the other day in which he claimed America is a country committed to peace. In fact, America is, as these numbers show, uh, one of the biggest contributors to war, both directly and indirectly. And it's been like this, unfortunately, ever since the Cold War got started in the late 40s. Um, the tragedies uh, in India and Pakistan regarding this earthquake underscore in my book, like I was saying, the folly of such weapon sales with America leading the way. I'll give Bush a, just a general brain damage award for that speech uh, that he gave, uh, I believe, to the Council of Foreign Relations uh, this past week. Um, when in doubt, the president, who of course is uh, mired in um, plummeting approval rating numbers due to the continuing problems in Iraq, as well as the general incompetence uh, of the Katrina response by the federal government, which, of course, the president says he's responsible, but uh, little if nothing happens. I'm reminded of a uh, January 29th, uh, 2003 column by Maureen Dowd, uh, in which uh, she talks about the Bush's State of the Union that year, in which, of course, uh, Iraq was the main threat, and Bush, of course, was trying to equate Saddam and Iraq with al-Qaeda. Maureen Dowd wrote, the Bush team thinks that the way to galvanize the public is with fear, by coupling Saddam to 9-11 and by building him up into a Hitler who could threaten the world as White House Chief of Staff Andy Card said on Sunday, quote, with a holocaust, unquote. But their reasons for war predate 9-11. The conservatives have wanted Saddam's head for a dozen years. Dick Cheney, his Chief of Staff Scooter Libby, and the Pentagon official Paul Wolfowitz also think Saddam is the perfect lab rat on which to test their new preemptive Empire Strikes First natural national strategy, which Wolfowitz and Libby first drafted in 1992 during Bush 41's administration when Cheney was defense secretary. And, of course, those words that she wrote uh, over two and a half years ago ring true today. Uh, it's You can always count on George Bush to dust off the old uh, war on terror speech uh, to uh, try and rally the public. And the speech in its, of itself, and I don't have the actual text with me, I'm just sort of referring to my general recollection of what he said, contained such nonsense about a, a caliphate, uh, you know, that al-Qaeda is interested in establishing from Algeria to Indonesia. That's pretty ludicrous. Al-Qaeda is certainly a terrorist organization, but it has no ability to establish any sort of caliphate. Uh of, you know, 8,000 miles or whatever the total distance is. Um, Al-Qaeda, of course, is disruptive. And it's convenient that uh, just around the time that uh, Bush gave this speech, we uh, get a, a, a letter by Ayman al-Zawari leaked to the Washington Post in which uh, Robin Wright, a former resident of Ann Arbor, as well as... Uh, 
graduate of the University of Michigan, a real expert on the Middle East, by the way. I've, I've seen her give talks, and she appears frequently on television uh, as a Middle East expert. I uh, had a uh, story about this uh, al-Qaeda strategy in which the goals of al-Qaeda now are to expel U.S. forces from Iraq, establish a caliphate over as much as of Iraq as possible, and extend the jihad to neighboring countries and, quote, war with Israel. Well, <clears throat> establishing a caliphate in Iraq uh, by Ayman al-Zawari and al-Qaeda is, is problematic in and of itself. Uh, because Iraq, of course, as we've been observing and other experts have noted, uh, is, is essentially in a, uh, it's in the incipient stages of a civil war as we speak. And uh, al-Qaeda is uh, predominantly uh, Sunni and Wahhabi. And, of course, the Shiites uh, are two-thirds of the Iraqi population, so establishing a, quote, Al-Qaeda caliphate over this region is ludicrous on its face. Um, a partition of Iraq is far more likely. And, of course, we're going to have this constitutional uh, referendum this upcoming week, and we'll hear all sorts of claims from um, the Bush administration that this is proof that the uh, policies in Iraq are, are working, uh, which is uh, nonsense. And... Uh, Unfortunately, the violence in Iraq will continue at this sort of low-level intensity conflict that it's, un it's unfortunately become. Walsh should give a brain damage award to George Bush. Uh, his statement that uh, Harriet Myers is the most qualified uh, person in America to become the next Supreme Court justice is also absurd on its face. Um, she may be qualified. Uh, but she's not the most qualified, and it's interesting to see the uprising and the civil war, so to speak, in the uh, GOP, the Republican Party, about uh, this so-called faith-based appointment uh, that Bush has bestowed upon the nation. The right-wing conservatives, of course, are apparently up in arms about her. They don't trust her, quote, and they are a little uh, skeptical of the president. And I find the appointment puzzling on its face, just intellectually. Um, it's interesting that she is a George Bush's personal lawyer, um, but I don't know how that makes her the most qualified person in the country. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. My gut feeling tells me that she'll ultimately be approved unless the, some skeleton comes out of the closet that disqualifies her because I don't think enough Republicans are going to defect to ultimately damage her um, appointment to the Supreme Court. But it would be interesting to see if uh, left-wing, uh, so to speak, Democrats, and there aren't many of them, maybe a couple of dozen in the uh, Senate. Uh, we saw this from the Roberts uh, vote, by the way, in which uh, every single Republican voted for John Roberts and uh, half the Democrats did. And I suspect that this is ultimately what will uh, happen to the uh, Harriet Myers appointment. Uh, Bush's other strange claim in his uh, sales job regarding Harriet Myers is the claim that they never have discussed abortion. I find that rather hard to believe, actually. 
Uh, it strikes me that the uh, conservative Republicans are always discussing abortion endlessly. They discuss it ad nauseum, ad infinitum, and by some counts, uh, it's the only issue many of them care about. And it's a strange uh, approach, to say the least. I'm... Uh, I was looking back, by the way, at an older uh, article about uh, what would happen if Roe versus Wade indeed were overturned. And it's interesting, uh, there's a, as the New York Times puts it, a legal patchwork of states have different laws regarding uh, abortion and what would happen. And they have a map showing that, and I'll just read the details here, they have 17 states have pre-Roe bans on abortion. Four of them, Alabama, Delaware, Massachusetts, and Wisconsin, have not fully been blocked by courts. Bans in Massachusetts, New Mexico, Vermont, and West Virginia are at odds with their state constitutions or other state laws that preserve abortion rights. So it shows that there aren't too many states in which an outright ban will ultimately occur if it's, quote, left to the states. 33 states and the D District of Columbia have not banned abortion. Of those states, 18 states and the District of Columbia have no legal protection for abortion rights. And I should hasten to add that many states do. Uh, they have legislative or constitutional protection of abortion rights. I'll just give you a few of them. There aren't that many, but it's interesting that there are Alaska, Montana, Washington, Nevada, California, Minnesota, Tennessee, Florida, Maryland, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Maine. Um, so there is just this massive patchwork of uh, state laws and const state constitutions regarding uh, abortion, and it will be very interesting to see uh, if uh, both Roberts and uh, Harriet Myers turn out to be uh, disposed to uh, overturn Roe, what will ultimately happen? Uh, because Kennedy obviously has not voted that way in the past. Um, so even if Myers and uh, Roberts agree that Roe should be overturned, it will at the current time not be. Kennedy is interesting because he has voted to overturn abortion uh, protection laws regarding so-called late-stage abortions. So O'Connor, indeed, was the swing vote on those kinds of cases. But on so-called Roe versus Wade cases, uh, the previous court voted fairly consistently 6-3, to three, with Rehnquist being one of the uh, justices disposed to overturn Roe. So even in the worst-case scenario, uh, it would strike me that Roe is still uh, going to be the law of the land, even if both Roberts and Myers are disposed to overturn it. The key question will become if Bush gets another appointment in which one of the current protectors of Roe uh, is replaced by a, quote, clone of Thomas and Scalia. I don't believe you can characterize Harriet Myers as a clone of Scalia and Thomas. Hence, Bush has probably lost some support within his own 
uh, wing of the Republican Party for apparently breaking his um, campaign promises of the past. Just quoting from the Cynthia Gorney article about this, and she's the author of uh, a uh, frontline articles of, uh, well, I've got a little rip in the article here, and I don't know uh, what the actual title is, but I'm guessing uh, articles of maybe abortion, a frontline history of the abortion. She writes, uh, three decades of impassioned, interminable argument have somehow congealed into a collective fantasy about what the reversal of Roe would mean over the American abortion brawl and uh, depending on one's point of view, uh, what would happen. But a glimpse of just how wrong trying to unfolding the what if Roe fell chart to its full rock poster size and taking it in, for example, the states beginning with the letter M. Maine and Maryland, the chart indicates, have adopted state laws guaranteeing a right to an abortion. Minnesota and Massachusetts have no such laws, but their state constitutions have been interpreted to protect abortion. Michigan is one of the 17 states that still have a pre-Roe abortion law on the books. It makes abortion by, quote, any instrument or any means whatever, unquote, a felony, unless a pregnant woman's life is threatened. The law was declared by judicial order to be unenforceable to the extent that the law conflicts with Roe versus Wade. She then goes on to quote a uh, right-to-life activist uh, talking about how this will end up in state courts and there will obviously be all sorts of uh, hearings at the state level assuming that Roe were to be overturned. But as I've just argued, uh, this is not going to happen uh, any time within the next year or two. So... Uh, the uh, debate about Roe versus Wade is unfortunately littered with a lot of heat and very little light, but that is the truth of so many things today. It's interesting also to note um, just this past week that uh, Tony Blair has now publicly accused Iran of arming insurgents in Iraq. Um, this follows a very familiar pattern, and I wanted to bring to your attention an interesting chronology of how American-British propaganda work in this area. This is not to say, by the way, that I don't believe that there are elements in Iran uh, that are involved in the insurgency at one level or another. Uh, we've talked at length down here on Gray Matters about the a diverse uh, nature of this insurgency, that the insurgents are sort of a hodgepodge of groups opposed to American presence in the region. They are unified in one goal only, uh, damaging America's credibility and uh, ultimately creating the price tag to be so high that they will ultimately leave the the country in this occupation. However, the United States will not leave the Middle East. Uh, it had 50,000 troops in the Middle East before the Iraq War ever started. And I would argue, in addition to securing petroleum resources, uh, which is indisputable as one of the goals 
of the so-called um, preemptive war goals of the Bush administration and their uh, minions in the neoconservative movement. America consumes 25% of the world's petroleum. It possesses about 2% of the world's known reserves, and hence Iraq, Iran, and Saudi Arabia provide most of the global oil reserves in which the future of our, quote, way of life depends. So there's no disputing that oil is part of the uh, reasons that we're in Iraq, but of course one of the other reasons is to move troops presumably out of Saudi Arabia and into Iraq. And this uh, has not been discussed enough, in my opinion, of the criticism of the war, uh, because this is just good old-fashioned imperialism. But last week we saw uh, Tony Blair hold a news conference in which he claims that the government of Iran is behind um, these so-called roadside explosive devices that are appearing in the British sector of the occupation. Britain occupies, of course, the southeast corner of Iraq where Basra is located. And there have been extensive uh, reports both on the BBC and other news outlets that Britain is planning on reserve. Uh, um, removing their troops from Iraq uh, sometime next year. Uh, they have about 8,000 troops in Iraq, as I recall, from the numbers. The United States has about 140,000. And Britain has suffered uh, eight casualties this summer from these so-called roadside bombs that Britain is now publicly claiming uh, Iran is supplying. And uh, this claim... Um, may have some validity, but on the other hand, it may just be good old-fashioned propaganda. It's interesting, when you go back and you check the f first reports that I could find on this, appeared uh, in early August regarding uh, the seizure of armed shipments uh, it, in an article that's dated the uh, August 8th, or excuse me, the 6th of August. Um, Eric Schmidt notes that the, se the seizure of recent arms shipments from Iran was first reported on Thursday night by NBC News and CBS News. The influx of the new explosives come as Allied commanders are stepping up in uh, efforts to stop infiltrators of fighters, weapons, and equipment along Iraq's porous border with Iran and Syria. So there were... Um, Initial reports of some small shipments of these uh, so-called improvised road uh, arms from Iran that was reported, uh, well, almost two months ago, two, two months ago uh, in the American media. You don't get any real proof that these uh, shipments came from Iran, just sort of vague accusations. And, of course, the American government uh, then seizes on the CBS, NBC reports and claims that this is proof that somehow Iran is involved in the destabilization of Iraq, while at the same time uh, Bush is talking endlessly about al-Zakari, and he's in charge of this so-called um, uh, al-Qaeda of Iraq group, um, and Bush, of course, makes the incredibly dubious claim that um, because we're fighting insurgents over in Iraq, thus we're safer here at home. Um, this is 
baloney. I mean, we've supplied targets for al-Qaeda to attack. Uh, they, they wouldn't be able to get into the United States if we weren't in Iraq. In my opinion, uh, there's no evidence that they've ever been in the United States. There's no evidence that they've ever even attempted a an attack. And yet here we have the president uh, vaguely claiming that the United States government has subverted 10 al-Qaeda plots since 9-11. When pressed for details, the United States government was able to provide three um, so where this number 10 comes from is, is murky, but it demonstrates that the Bush administration is back into propaganda uh, mode again with vague claims about what's going on and vague claims about what's gone on in the past. There's no factual basis for uh, Bush's claim that they've uh, intercepted 10 plots. They can't even provide us with more than three, and... Uh, it, it once again demonstrates Bush's grasp of fuzzy math. You know, three becomes ten. Um, and, of course, it's part of the argument that somehow the global war on terror that the United States is uh, conducting is somehow uh, working uh, and that Bush is making us safer. Well, that's very dubious indeed, and we'll talk about it more in upcoming shows. Sort of as we close out uh, the show tonight, because uh, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. show is Gray Matters, and uh, Yazoo City Calling is coming up uh, shortly here on this great station. wanted to very briefly uh, poke holes in these uh, numbers that, that came out over the week about uh, uh, the unemployment rate. The uh, Department of Labor, of course, reported amazingly that in uh, the month of... Uh, September, uh, only 35,000 jobs were lost in the American economy. Well, this is rather uh, ridiculous. Uh, we, we have a region uh, in which it's known that over 500,000 people have lost their jobs in uh, Alabama, Louisiana, and Mississippi. And to make this claim shows how inaccurate and unreliable government statistics ultimately are in these areas. 